I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. Go. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about sling and stuff. Am I going to get sued? We got legal on this? I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We are not live, but we're at Colts camp. Yeah. I mean, we're live now, but right. not, you know, we're at Colts camp. You can see that. You can see it in the back. What's happening in the back? Tell me what's going on mm. at camp here. Some kind practice. of practice. I mean, it's the start of practice. It's the start of practice, but we are here on location in Indy. And we got a great show today, Sam. Anthony Richardson is here. Not on the show. No, no, that's no. A f- but that's here, right there. Anthony Richardson is there. Right. We didn't think he would yeah. be because he was man. having his septum much, fixed. Much bigger than Sam Ellinger. So it's good to see Anthony Richardson practicing. Um, we're going to have Quiddy Pay on the show here, defensive end from the Colts, and then Laura Overton, Colts beat reporter. She'll be on the show as well. We're talking a lot of Colts here today, mm-hmm. but also going through all the NFL news mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. My friend Tim Patrick. Your friend. Heard yeah. again. The great Tim Patrick. The great Tim Patrick, for sure. Poor guy. So uh, we'll be going through all the NFL stuff and talking a little bit of Colts. Yes, sir. So fire in some Colts questions that we won't be able to see until this is done. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> As a parent, your child's well-being is your top priority. You want to see them chase their dreams, embrace life's adventures, and thrive in the world. But you also know life can be unpredictable, and that's why it's important to plan for the unexpected so they can continue to thrive no matter what. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. That's meetfabric.com slash pffnfl, M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash pffnfl. Policy is issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Price is subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, while we're here at training camp, Sam, let's talk training camp battles and some of the biggest ones. I know some of them on paper might be quarterback. Let's at least touch on them for the fans (laughs) and say we forgot them. You don't want to talk 49ers at all, but... Well, Sam just, Darnold. We know that the Sam Darnold rule applies. He could have three awesome weeks, and you have to get him in there to do that. Yeah, I just most of the quarter or most of the camp battles. You know, you're going to see a lot of people talking about quarterback battles. Most of them are not actual training camp battles. I mean, we've already seen it took Bryce Young seven seconds to win the starting quarterback job. Like that was never going to be a battle. Anthony Richardson here, I think, is going to be the day one starter, barring something disastrous happening. The San Francisco job, I mean, that's Brock Purdy's to lose. Like, if Brock Purdy shows that he's in any way, shape, or form healthy from that elbow injury, he's the starter. You know, it's going to take something like him not being hurt to win that job. Darnold, Darnold can't win that in camp, right? It's going to take Brock Purdy not being healthy to win that job, I think. Um, the only one I think that's a real, actual battle is... Um, Tampa Bay, yeah. where Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask are probably legitimately in a competition. And, you know, so far, it doesn't sound like Baker's taken a huge grasp of that. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one because we saw Kyle Trask um, as a good college player gets drafted late second round. He was the guy that the Bucks drafted, you know, think about the future with Tom Brady, not to go completely all in to right. at least have someone. But 
last couple preseasons. There was like a little bit of improvement last year, but Trask wasn't great when we've seen him in preseason no. action. And with Baker Mayfield, we've talked about him plenty on this show. Who knows what to project? Yeah. Uh, we were on this field a couple of years ago, 2019. They were in for joint practices. Baker was coming off of an excellent rookie season. We're thinking, hey, it's going to be a big year too. And it wasn't. He's been this roller coaster even last year when he was bouncing around with the Panthers and Rams. That one feels like they would like Baker Mayfield to win that job, but it's eminently possible that his performance in training camp, you know, gives the job to Kyle Trask. One more I want to throw out there. Our friend uh, Greg Rosenthal, friend of the show, mm. had a tweet yesterday. He said, or a couple days ago now. Oh, yes. There is a non-zero chance. Yes. That Clayton Toon, the quarterback out of Houston, the rookie, is starting in week one. Love it. That would be for the Arizona Cardinals, where we've always expected it to be Colt McCoy. What I mean, what's the downside? There isn't any. I right. Think the They're whole... already, they don't have their own first yeah. round pick. They're already got, they've got nothing to gain in either direction. You know what you have in Colt McCoy, and it's not great. The, the cha- like, all you can do is discover that Clayton Toon is either good or bad. So why not throw him out there? We know that a lot, you know, we're, when you're at camp and everything and you, you, see it you know everybody's working hard they're trying to have a great season but you know behind closed doors when you're really building a team and you're talking about Arizona and you don't have Kyler Murray for x amount of time you should be looking to what is the future yeah right what is who's going to be a part of the future and can you get something out of Clayton too and I think it'd be interesting if he's ready to go week one being the starter in Arizona though the situation's not great there so I don't know if we'll learn much about Clayton at all but you and it the only way it hurts is if Clayton Toon actually really balls out and takes you away from the top of the draft, you know, with, with your draft pick getting worse. But that offsets itself by the fact that maybe you actually found something in Clayton Toon, and now you can potentially roll with Kyler Murray for the future, knowing that you have some kind of insurance plan in Clayton Toon already there, and you don't necessarily need to go after Caleb Williams or Drake May, you know, whoever it is at the top of that draft who you just made it slightly harder to get by winning more games than you were supposed to. So if I'm Arizona, I really don't see a downside to throwing him out there right away and just letting him play the season. All right, let's get to some of the non-QB battles. Let's go um, Giants wide receiver room. This is Chaos. wide open, yes. right? Yeah, I know we got to get the – we don't I have internet here. We're working. We're working here. Because there's a lot of them. How about Isaiah Hodgins is there, yep. Darius Slayton, Jamison Crowder, Jalen Hyatt, who runs really fast apparently per all the reports, <laughs> Paris Campbell, Sterling Shepard, just some of the names in Giants camp. Yeah. Richie James Robinson is out. Uh, Wondell Robinson's in there. So what is going to happen with the Giants? I mean, they had a pretty good offense despite, you know, not having big names at receiver last year. This should be an upgrade depending on who wins these battles. And all this is with Darren Waller being like their number one receiver as the tight end. Open nonstop as we reported live here on the show a few few, times. yeah, I mean, the Jalen Hyatt stuff is interesting. I know you sort of threw some subtle shade there at the uh, the GPS times that are being Nobody thrown out there. Times, off mile air. per hour. But he's fast. But he's been reportedly clocked at over 24 miles per hour multiple times. And the reason that's significant is the fastest time ever recorded in a game is Tyreek Hill at the high 23 somewhere. It's all relative. That's what I threw shade at right there. Right. So... You know, at the very minimum, the numbers coming out here are saying he's fast as hell. And this was a guy that looked fast as hell, you know, from his college tape and then ran a reasonably surprising 4-4 flat. Um, But if he's able to go out there and absolutely torch NFL players with that kind of speed, that is significant. We, you know, coming out of that Tennessee offense, it was a really difficult projection for anybody basically in that system. There was a reason he got drafted where he did. But the one thing that we were pretty certain of is if you do exactly what they did at Tennessee, line him up in the slot, give him free releases, let him run vertical, he's going to be a problem. And that is the – if you listen to Giants beat reporters, that's the theme, right? It's 
if he does that, it's an issue every single play. The defense has to respect that at all times, which even if it doesn't let him be open way down the field, it's opening up stuff for Darren Waller. Like that, that's probably a big reason of why Darren Waller is open every target. Yeah, I think I have a little bit more confidence in the Giants offense because of that. They bring Saquon Barkley back as we've you know discussed plenty. We know how much Daniel Jones rushed last year. A reminder, he had the 20th most rushing yards in a season ever for a quarterback. Right. So Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, they want to run the ball, run play action, create those big plays. Darius Slayton, one of the other guys competing for snaps there, has been a very good deep threat. If you have Hyatt and Slayton and you let them be the deep threats, that will open up things for you know Paris Campbell underneath, former Colt here, um, who's had a pretty nice camp. Sterling Shepard when he's healthy. Uh, it is actually a decent mix of Giants receivers. By the way, I'm using my phone for information. I just want to make it clear. I'm not disrespecting you like the Nelk boys. Are you just, I'm, I'm out here. You, I'm not sending texts. There? I'm looking at football information. I'll just be honest. I can't read my phone right I don't now. Have a so laptop. if we were going to read ads, I can't do it. So we'll have to figure that out. <laughs> we'll have to figure that out. I can't read. I can't, anyway. By the way, you haven't, you haven't mentioned yet my hat, my training camp hat. It speaks for itself. What do you think? It's, this is, look, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, a follically challenged individual. I need to wear sun protection. I thought you were just trying to blend in and look like a scout. I mean, that too. It's a good scout yeah. hat. It's a very good scout hat. Right? I think your, your opinions on carry more weight here carry so much more weight. I've got Can we hat. talk about what we saw at practice here today? We've already talked a lot yeah. about Colts. Yeah. We've got a lot of Colts. I don't know what order we're putting this stuff in, but we're talking a lot <laughs> about the Colts here on so the show. So another, uh, another training camp battle, like a popular list of training camp battles are backfields, right? Which I tend to view a little bit... They're different from quarterbacks in that they're not predetermined or decided necessarily, but they're most running, most teams are also not be, binary. Yeah. Yeah. Most teams are going to be platooning these guys anyway, so it kind of doesn't matter who wins the job, right? They're going to have defined roles within the defense. But what I do think is kind of interesting is Philadelphia's, right? They obviously traded for DeAndre Swift. Um, Kenneth Gainwell's already there. Rashad Penny was the, you know, the bargain signing a free agency. They bring him over for like $7 for. One dollar for every yard per carry he's going to have. Um, Boston Scott, the great Boston Scott, still there, and Trey Sermon. Like that's that's a pretty impressive backfield, albeit a very cheap one. Trey Sermon, little you know model guy. I'm still expecting to break out. Um, I think that's an easy answer right there. Rashad Penny is going to be your not bell cow, but I think he's taking the majority. The majority, uh, yeah. The starting reps, I guess. Um, DeAndre Swift, pass catcher, maybe stealing some pass catching reps from Kenneth Gainwell. Boston Scott plays against the Giants. Yes. Right? Um, and that's it. Plays that's and insane. scores. In, yeah, so he'll play the two Giants games, right? There's no rhyme or reason to the Eagles' rotation except Boston Scott gets carries against the Giants and makes sure he scores touchdowns. Absolutely, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's an intriguing backfield. I know we theorized. I'm going to whisper it here that maybe Jonathan Taylor, if Jonathan Taylor was going to get traded, I said I could send him to the Eagles. I don't, make want, people mad. I don't want anybody to get upset over here. Is Jim Ursay around? Is the bus? No, it's not there parked. There was a helicopter flying around earlier. I think yeah. that was I think that was Jim. Um, uh, but the Eagles are I, I think they'll have those defined roles as much as possible. If Rashad Penny gets hurt, you have a bigger workload, uh, maybe for your guy Boston Scott. Yes. The Penny thing is going to be exciting. I mean, he's apparently he's everybody gets this, right? But he's dropped 10 pounds in the offseason. He's in the best shape he's ever been in. He's trying to run at 225 now instead of 235. I mean, everyone's always known that this guy had immense talent. It's just he can't stay healthy if if he can stay healthy. He's running behind the best offensive line in the NFL. He should have success. How about the Jets' offensive tackle yeah. situation? Mostly at left tackle. You have Makai Becton coming back, former first-round pick who has missed so much time over the last couple of years, even missed a few early practices. But mm -hmm. um, the story is that he stacked back-to-back -back practices, and that is a story given 
his knee injuries showed a lot of promise as a rookie, but Makai Becton going up against an aging Dwayne Brown and uh, Billy Turner, who's just been filling in at the right. moment while those guys have been uh, rotating. But yeah, it sounds like this time they are trying to ease Becton back into it more than last year, where it was like, well, he's healthy now, so let's throw him back out there. And then he kind of re-aggravated things and was basically shut down for the year. Um, you know, he has missed practices, but it's not like knee flares up again. It's like we're, we're deliberately easing him back into this thing to try and, you know, make it work this time. Um, but he has reportedly been impressed, and Robert Sala keeps talking him up as being potentially one of their best players if they can get him back and get him functioning. So, and for the first time, Dwayne Brown really saw like a drop off in his production last year, his performance. So he seems to have hit that age now where he is firmly on the decline. This is one where, like, I think they're going to give Dwayne Brown every chance to win a starting job and try and nail it down. So maybe an underrated part of that is Rodgers has had, even when there are injuries in Green Bay, he's had a very good pass-protecting offensive line yeah. over the last couple of years. The Jets on paper, uh, much like the team here, the Colts, on paper, very good line, but maybe fragile when it comes to the injuries because of Dwayne Brown's age, because of Mekhi Becton's history. If, that, if they become fragile up front, right tackle is a question mark with Max Mitchell heading into year two, pres presumed to be the starter there. If they're fragile up front, that could, you know, that could hurt the Jets' offense, which, by the way, when we're talking camp battles, we could talk about their receivers as well. It's, sure. it's almost like Rodgers' guys versus Corey Davis. Yeah. It's, it's Mikkel Hardman and Corey Davis against Rodgers' guys, Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. I'll tell you who's going to win that. Yeah. I mean, Lazard and Cobb, baby. Right. There's a lot of wide receiver depth charts to be sorted out, yeah. you know, in training camp. We talked a little bit about the Chiefs depth chart already. We talked about the Giants just there. Um, Carolina, what that group is going to look like. Who's going to be the number one, you know, or is it Jonathan even, Mingo, of course. Hell yeah. Is it even going to manifest as a number one or are they going to have more of the, this sort of receiving group by committee, you know, where they have the designated deep threat and DJ Chark, a more possession guy and Adam Thielen, whatever Mingo turns into in that offense, or are they actually going to try and go you need to be the X. Like, one of you guys needs to step up and be that, that receiver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? I was thinking about You just lost in your own little world there. Huh? I was listening to you, but yes, Jets, the old Jets depth chart is going to be awesome to watch it unfold. Can I do two, uh, two cornerback rooms? Okay. Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. We talked about them a little bit, and then I want to touch on the Colts um, because that's wide open. But Minnesota the new scheme Brian Flores are they going to play man coverage I think they want Andrew Booth well it's in yeah it's interesting in there, it's interesting because the, the the trio you think that they would have right if you're all the moves they've made draft free agency like now we then we guess right it's like well this is what the depth chart looks like now and that we would have assumed would be Byron Murphy in the slot Andrew Booth Jr. playing out wide and then probably rookie Mikai Blackman being the other guy or at least given a shot to do that right now it's only Murphy of that trio that's actually manning that spot. And the other two spots are uh, Jawan Williams and uh, Caleb Evans. Those guys have sort of jumped Andrew Booth and, and Mikhail Blackman. Um, and they're running with the ones right now. So does that stay or is that just how we're beginning in training camp? It, it is one of the bigger stories in the NFL because that scheme with Flores does just, it puts more pressure on the corners. Right. It is as much as we say, hey, zone coverage is a skill too. I mean, it, there is more pressure on man corners. And if they're going to play that system, Sorting that out is going to be crucial for the Vikings. Even but, though I'm high on the, I think I'm going to be high on the Vikings. Yeah. I'm a little worried about the cornerback room. By the way, I've just realized the single most intense training camp battle that I am most personally invested in is going to be Chicago Bears cornerback Tyreek Stevenson 
against my guy Terrell Smith. Yeah, explain to I mean our listeners probably know, but you're just tweeting through. I'm um, you you're already taking victory. No, laps. I'm not. I'm very very careful not to do that yet. I am simply monitoring the situation. Okay. And people are helping me monitor the situation by tweeting at me every time <laughs> it's a rep happens where um, Terrell Smith is with the ones over Tyreek Stevenson. The Minnesota corner who was put onto the radar by uh, Lance Zerline very yeah. late in the draft process. And then you, when you, right around the time you were doing your cornerback rankings, and you're like, dude, this guy's good. Yeah. He's top seven, top I eight. I thought he was one of the better corners in this draft. And I said right away when they drafted, and I didn't like Tyreek Stevenson, which is another important part of this. I said right away when they drafted those guys, do not be shocked at all if Terrell Smith ends up jumping Tyreek Stevenson right away and being one of those, you know, happens all the time, right? The lower drafted guy at the same position leapfrogs him and is the better player, like Mark Andrews versus Hayden Hurst, that kind of thing, right? I was saying, I said immediately, like in April, this exists. Evidence of me saying Terrell Smith is going to be the starter, not Tyreek Stevenson. And, you know, it's happened. It, it seems to be a battle, at least in training camp, albeit one that's, I think, open to be won. So I'm very specifically not yet taking victory laps. I'm simply identifying where I tweeted it in May. I'm going to find a clip of when I said it in April. I'm going to be ready. You'll be ready. You'll I'll be, be ready. ready. So that if it happens, I can deploy it. What's victory? Is it is it simply depth chart status? I mean, what if he goes out there? And well, it has to be like regular season. It can't just be in yeah. training camp. They release their first depth chart. What if he's not good when he gets one. out there and plays? Doesn't, Doesn't matter. The just, fact that he started, I'm taking the victory. Claim victory and deal with, the, deal with it later, right? Just claim, move the goalposts and claim victory. That's how this works. All right, so if he's a week one starter, I will be claiming victory regardless of how he plays after that. I want to talk Colts cornerbacks here because we're here. At we are here. Colts camp. And they had two intriguing rookies. Both of, guy, both of the guys have uh, dealt with injuries, been uh, very limited here at camp. Uh, Julius, now Juju Brents. That's getting very warm. Oh, yeah. I imagine that's also not good for you, the plastic bottle sitting in the sun. Um, Juju Brents with his incredible length, size, movement skills. That's one of those – I mean, that's the same idea for you, right? You would not bet money, but you would think there's a high, a high enough chance that Darius Rush jumps Juju Brents. Oh, yeah, I have a very similar take. Give me the fifth rounder. I like the fifth rounder over the second rounder right. as a pure football player. Yeah. Neither one, neither of whom is you know, playing, neither of which is playing right. right now. But I like Darius Rush as a better player. But I, I think ideally you want those guys playing early and often. Um, the thing that stood out here is how big a lot of the Colts corners are. You've got Gus Bradley here. That is a style that you know he's generally like to uh, employ. There's six-foot-two corner on Chris Lammons. There's all these six – uh, Dallas Flowers, 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", corners. Um, but it's really wide open here in Indianapolis where I'm sure they'd like the rookies right. to step up, but we just haven't been able to see it yet. We talked about it a little bit with Quiddy Pay. The, the Colts roster generally is is a fascinating mix of like wildly divergent body types. I mean, they have big Michael Pittman-shaped wide receivers, and then they have little Josh Downs and, and Isaiah. Josh is around here. Come on, um, don't. Don't. I mean, look, he's, he was in cleats and he's still shorter than I am. Like, he's, he's, not a, he's a small individual. You're so disrespectful. I'm just saying, there's, there's, these two people ostensibly play the same position. You know, they don't, obviously, different wide receiver positions. But they're both wide receivers. And yet, the body shape difference between them is wild. Then you have guys like Jelani Woods, Mo Alley-Cox at tight end. You've got some yeah. monsters there. I mean, even I just mean it looking, is a, it's a big athletic team. I mean, even those, like those guys, the tight end room... Will Mallory is not in any way, shape, or form the same type of body shape that those other two guys are. 
um, the defensive line room we talked about. Like you've got these sort of short, stocky, stout guys, and then you've got DeForest Buckner over here looking like a poster child for old school, you know, five technique, three, four defensive ends. Like there's just I, I don't know if they're deliberately um, trying to do that, you know, get as many different body types as possible. If they're if they just don't care, like get me the freak athlete and the freak skill set. And it doesn't matter what shape and size they come. Like, it's just an interesting mix. I'm distracted by bugs yeah. pretty easily here. Very mm-hmm. unprofessional. That's how I do it. Um, any other camp battles that we need to touch on? Uh, and are they one in camp or are they one in preseason? Or is it a I don't think much is one in preseason anymore. I think the way teams treat preseason, they're almost kind of set in stone in terms of what they think based off all the practices. And then, like, we saw somebody out here, a linebacker, goofs on a play, livid with himself. Like, just... You know, oh, dropping Stewart, F-bombs yeah. left, right, and center. Grant Stewart was uh, – he made a fiery play in the hole. Right. And then he was very upset that he got beaten by a step on the shallow right. cross. And the thing is, you're thinking from that guy's perspective, how many of those mistakes does he have? You know? You have X number of practices. You have X number of positive plays, mistakes. You don't have many of those screw-ups before the team is just like, yep, he's gone. You know? Next guy – like, he's, he's not making the numbers game. Right? So – I think that's how it's done now is it's 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 won or lost in training camp maybe with something insanely spectacular in every performance in preseason you can like change minds but i think generally speaking victor cruz preseason yeah but i think generally speaking these decisions are all made now in the practices all right let's wrap it up with this not camp battles um but anthony richardson because we got to see we got a live exposure as they say to anthony richardson yeah Let's get something on the record here. Uh-huh. What you saw today from Anthony Richardson, and um, does that change your expectations for the season? I mean, the Me first. versus a bug. Right. A battle. All right, now, for social media, a good, chopped up, official take here, Sam. This is how we do it. Well, he's every bit as physically absurd as you would think he is, right? He's big, strong, fast. The arm jumps off the... the visually like he's just a different human being to the other two quarterbacks and that's immediately obvious um i was impressed with his accuracy when everything was in structure where i think you see it break down a little bit is you know something the the play is breaking down he's got to like move around the pocket and then like do the patrick mahomes right deliver something weird that's where i think you see the mechanics go away and he doesn't have that in tight yet but that's probably the last thing to, to to change right you can fix your mechanics over a period of time and you then need to have the inbuilt, out-of-structure muscle memory, and that's not there yet, I don't yeah. think. A couple things that stood out to me during team period. This offensive line, which was really bad last year, mostly due to injuries, looked really good. They're on paper very healthy. We'll talk plenty about that throughout the year. The offensive line looked good, and then Anthony Richardson on third down, during their third, third down drills, goes three for four, three conversions. The one inaccurate pass was the one you mentioned, kind of on the run, right. throws it a little bit low for his running back. But the three conversions hit a second read, threw the ball accurately, uh, threw the ball accurately on time, and then another one stepped up in the pocket and hit a crosser accurately. Three conversions, very small sample size, but between that and just generally the way he threw the ball, I was impressed with the one practice from Anthony Richardson so far. (laughs) I mean, there were reporters here on the sideline having the same conversation that people had at draft time, which is, you know, he doesn't look to scramble. Like, he's not looking to run. He is a passing quarterback. He wants to stay in the pocket. And then sometimes he will scramble. But this is not this is not just a running quarterback. This is a guy who happens to have all-time freak athleticism and running ability, but wants to be a pocket passer when he can. All right, got anything else here? 
From Colts camp? No, I need. It's we our need, first leg of our tour. It's very hot. It's very hot. We're in the sun. Yeah. It's coming down. It's very hot, and yet when you actually look, it's not very hot. Like, no, imagine if it was be, hot. That's imagine what I'm saying. if it was actually hot. This could get a lot, lot worse. What does my uh, weather app say? It's 82. 80, it's 80. I mean, yeah, it's over, just over 80 degrees. It's not yeah. that humid. It could be a lot worse. Yeah, it's probably worse with pads on and everything, right? I would. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Having said that, at that point, you get so sweaty that you just don't care anymore. Well, you're well protected with the uh, with the hat, so uh, appreciate the hat. Give us a like if you like the hat. That might not work. No. Next but, uh, time hit we the should, thumbs uh, up either way. Yeah. Next time we should set up not in the sun though. Well, we were trying to get the you know, we, earlier in the show. We our had the intentions were good. Background. Our yeah. intentions were good. We just didn't think it through. No, we did Unintended not. consequences were, were negative. Should this be the end of the show? Should I throw it to something else? <laughs> or is this the end of the show? This is the end of the show. We'll do the cold stuff first. All right. No. Let's start with this. That's what we'll do. Now we're going to throw it to some more Colts discussion. We'll put that at the end. we got Lara Overton, and we have Quiddy Pay. Enjoy the rest of the show. Then we're going to sign right off and see you guys all tomorrow for more PFF NFL Podcast. So if you want to get in on the fantasy action, but you're sick of, your managing, of managing your roster, sick of player injuries ending your season, well, you've got Best Ball and DraftKings to get the best of your team all season long. This year, Best Ball and DraftKings is bigger than ever with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. For now, for a limited time, you can join DraftKings, the largest best ball contest ever, and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. Act now before this offer expires. Start playing best ball. Download the DraftKings app using code PFF. Enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest and Snake Draft your team for the season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scorers. No ads, no drops, no trades, no I should have played him instead. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. So what are you waiting for? Head to the DraftKings app and sign up with code PFF and start playing best ball today. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament, and you'll get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars only on DraftKings with code PFF. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer. Opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus issued as 10 dk dollars Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. And August 9th, 2023. All right, we are so thrilled to be joined by Lara Overton, Colts host, producer, and reporter. You had like six other jobs, too, that you mentioned, <laughs> um, but we'll just keep it at that. Lara, thanks for uh, joining us. Thank you guys so much for taking the time, making the trip up to Westfield to join us at Grand Park. It's certainly been an active training camp so far, and you got the first full padded day of practice out here, so it's been great. It's all happening right now, so uh, what, what's the biggest story right now? It has to be Anthony Richardson, of course. Uh, Anthony Richardson <laughs> has certainly impressed everything that you expected and more. And he sat out practice uh, yesterday, had a minor procedure on his septum, but right back into it today alongside Gardner Minshew and Sam Ellinger. And I think a few of the things that stand out right now about what Anthony Richardson has been able to do is all of the physical expectations, the skill set that he was so touted for within the draft process, process, all of those were there. But then even beyond that, it's the quick chemistry that he's been able to establish with a number of his different targets, a number of his receivers and pass catchers in general. I mean, did you see the 60-yard bomb to Alec Pierce just last oh, we saw week? It. Like, yes. I mean, that's just like a glimpse of the things that he has done. And I think what's really encouraging is those type of plays have been consistent day in and day out. And that's something that head coach Shane Steichen has reinforced is stacking those good days. Have you been able to get an idea of, you know, what this offense is going to look like with Anthony Richardson at quarterback? Because obviously the first thing you notice when you show up and you see Richardson and then Gardner Minshew and Sam Ellinger and those two quarterbacks specifically probably help this, but it's just he looks different. You know, he's bigger, he's stronger, the, the ball comes out better, he's faster, you know, but 
we want to know generally all of us like what is this offense going to have to look like for Richardson to be a functional quarterback in year one you know and not just get by well you definitely have to have great communication with the offensive line right and he has a veteran offensive line that is heavily invested that the Colts have heavily invested in and you're going to get better production out of that group than you had last year surrounded of course at the center of it with Ryan Kelly Quentin Nelson Braden Smith all of those guys plus the young guys who have been in with that as well but one of the differences that you see when you do have Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew and you know throw Sam Ellinger into the mix is there's an element of mobility at quarterback that the Colts have not had and have not been able to build an offense around and when you brought Shane Steichen in you knew that was going to be one of the assets he brought within the offense because of of course the resume that he has working with the quarterbacks who he has most recently of course Jalen Hurts Justin Herbert prior to that so when you do have that factor of mobility that's something that this Colts defense has talked about how difficult it is I think you know you guys are going to talk to Quiddy Pay I believe at some point Mm -hmm. today and I Quiddy joked that it's a bit demoralizing when you have to go up against (laughs) a quarterback like Anthony Richardson because of the different things that he can do, the mobility that he has, the ability he has to extend plays in that factor. And that's really, I think, the big thing that you have seen so far in this early portion of camp. Still a relatively small sample size. I think this might be practice number five. Uh, They all start to run together when you get into the second week of camp. But I do think that those are the big key contributors that you note just in this first week of work. All right, the biggest criticism for Richardson coming out, of course, was accuracy overall. I don't think, you know, people who really watched this tape weren't criticizing pocket movement or just uh, feel for the position. It was really just he's missing way too many throws. So early on, look, Sam, you saw three throws, mm. and you were like, maybe, 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 he's, accurate. maybe he's fixed it all. We <laughs> saw three throws on air over here, and we're convinced maybe all the accuracy issues are fixed. Any sign of that early on? I think what we saw, and fortunate to have the position of watching him come in and do rookie minicamp, OTAs, and then the vet minicamp period is... You saw him, he, he missed throws in yeah. there, which you expected him to, right? Anyone who's 21 years old, who's walking into the NFL as a quarterback is going to have those. But it was great to see when he would have one of those errant throws is Shane Steichen would immediately get right up to him. And he was very quick to take the coaching and very responsive to that. And you could tell wants to be coached hard. And yeah. I mean that in a sense that like he wants that like, productive criticism you know he wants that he wants to absorb that and learn from any of those aspects and I think what is encouraging is you saw some of the things in in minicamp he really quickly fixed those in that work that he had over the summer he spent time with Gardner Minshew he spent time with a number of his different weapons on this Colts offense and I think that's already paying dividends for him he's just I mean he's been incredible in every sense his professionalism everything you know the, um, our Colts production staff, we do a Behind the Colts series over the course of training camp, and Anthony was one of the guys who the team rode in with, in addition to Coach Steichen, Ryan Kelly, and Juju Brents, all rode in with them from their homes as they came in to report at Grand Park. Anthony was asked about what his goals are for training camp, and his three goals it had nothing to do with you know production, numbers, being named a starter, none of that. His goals were to be a better leader, 
to create chemistry with his teammates and to stay healthy. And I think that is very indicative as to the mentality that Anthony Richardson brings in. And one of the things that Chris Ballard noted day one of camp was his overall demeanor. He's incredibly even keel. He doesn't get rattled easily, and he thinks that that will be something that will provide him a really good foundation to navigate the inevitable highs and lows that any rookie faces in the NFL, especially one that is playing a high-pressure pressure position like quarterback. One of the uh, the big trends from the Colts drafting the last few years has been chasing these super athletes, these guys that have got insane measurables across the board. But now we get to the NFL where basically everybody is a super athlete. How many of these guys over the last couple of years still stand out, even in this environment, as this is a world of super athletes and he is still clearly head and shoulders more explosive, more spectacular than some of these other guys? I think one of those that comes to mind who has been one of the major stories of camp is Shaquille Leonard, right? He was drafted because of these really incredible measurables that he was able to produce and what how he impressed the Colts scouts and Colts front office, of course, through that process and that resulted in the you know defensive rookie of the year type of season his last two years have been injury riddled certainly but when he got back on the field out here at camp after missing the entirety of the spring period looked like he had not missed a beat and that's something to credit Shaq and all of the work that he's done he's been incredibly diligent in the offseason to get back to that point and he is a guy who even where people have questions on oh will he be at the same level of production because he is that that takeaway factor for this right. Colts defense but he's going to command a certain degree of attention from offenses when he is on the field and there is nothing to indicate right now that he won't get back to that level that you have certainly expected him to be I think that there are a number of guys who you will see as being I mean think about too on the offensive side guys like Alec Pierce and the type of rookie season that he was able to have Jelani Woods I mean that guy is just I mean, he is massive. I like, gotta go stand next to him. You go, I, yeah. try it. Like anytime I want to feel. <laughs> He's even, about my size, yeah, though, right? But, you know. Exactly. Exactly. So I mean, all of those guys, and you saw flashes last year of those young guys. Um, you know, game-winning type of plays from Jelani Woods and Alec Pierce. Unfortunately, you weren't able to see them with the consistency that you would have liked, largely because of the rotation you had, certainly at quarterback, and not being able to necessarily have that continuity that you would hope for some young pass catchers like that. But those are just, I mean, a few of the guys who I would note who have just been incredible um, on this, uh, you know, on this roster across the board. And then another one who I think probably doesn't get enough credit is Grover Stewart. I mean, great year last year. Oh my God, incredible year last year, and. He has been one who the Colts saw something in him, you know, coming out of college and were able to kind of, I don't want to say take a risk on him because he had certainly um, the, the tangible aspects there that were really intriguing, but a credit to Grover in terms of how he's able to translate them going from, you know, very small program out of college and then being able to, in my opinion, grow into a, an all pro type of player. Anyone from this rookie class standing out? They had a ton of picks, another great group of athletes. Uh, I have a few of my favorites that they drafted. Sam, I know you have a few guys, guys like Darius Rush I really oh, liked yeah. at cornerback, Blake Freeland at tackle. Uh, Will Mallory was big. You know, Sam, you're a big and, fan of him. Who's, hey, Will Mallory's back today. It's his first day out there here. So, yeah, definitely great to see Eight him. Adibare, like any of the rookies standing out early on. Well, when you talk about, you noted the athleticism uh, that they have so highly coveted in the draft. I think Aditamiwa Adibare out of Northwestern is one of those who just had, I mean, to, I mean, in the best way possible, in the most positive way possible, like freakish combine numbers right he's one of those who you certainly expect to be a factor on this defense he's been very consistent through camp um 
with I'm excited for Juju Brents and for Darius Rush. Each of them have had some limited time right now. Yeah. So unfortunately haven't quite seen enough of them just yet. Very excited though for what those guys bring. I've been really impressed with Evan Hull and the ability that he has as a pass catching back. Yeah. Um, that'll be an incredible asset for Gardner Minshew and Anthony Richardson to have him as a weapon. And suddenly and, a much bigger role potentially with Jonathan yeah. Taylor, you know, uh, having yeah. his and issue the and, and Zach Moss, Zach Moss injured. Yeah, and, and Evan Hull, the thing is, he has been incredibly active since he stepped in the building. And then another guy who is intriguing to me is Josh Downs. He brings an asset to the offense that the Colts really haven't had in a while. And I think that he is responding very well and really absorbing the opportunity that he has to work alongside Isaiah McKenzie because of the veteran presence that Isaiah has. The opportunity for those two to play somewhat similar positions within this offense, but very excited. Josh Downs made an incredible catch yesterday. That's what he does. In practice That's with great. Gardner Minshew, and I think he is one of those who can really do some interesting things and provide some options for Shane Steichen and Jim Bob Cooter in the offense in terms of scheme. I have to ask about Evan Hall because he is somebody that stood out to me at the combine because at the end of every single rep no matter what it was he ran it to the end zone mm. he finished by running it all the way to the end zone even if they were the other end of the field he would run 80 yards down to score at the end of every rep he's not doing that out here did somebody did somebody say look that's great for the for to get yourself noticed <laughs> but now pack it in now we've I got some work to do i'm not sure if anyone said anything or it's more so just his grasping the fact of like okay i'm going to have to pace myself a yeah. little bit if i'm going to do this and each and every day because he's had i mean this is a big workload right. for and him now, and that goes back to may when he walked in the door and now he's got to you know navigate other drills that are happening it's not as easy as it is at the combine where there's lots of open space of, to run to the of end of course zone. you asked that question <laughs> sam of course you did all right we um on the PFF NFL podcast tend to neglect running backs quite a bit, but we've also in the last month talked a ton about running backs because they're a huge story around the NFL. Sure. So what happens with Jonathan Taylor? And can you interpret, because what we try to do is interpret the social media oh. stuff. Can you interpret <laughs> the social media spats, the back and forths between uh, Jim Irsay and Jonathan Taylor. Do you get into uh, the social media? I think media? it's dangerous to ever try to interpret anything on social media, <laughs> like aside from the NFL. Very I think true, it's very, 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 very tricky. I mean, you just hope that all of this, you know, is resolved in due time. Um, and all I can say is that from our perspective of working with Jonathan since he was drafted to this organization, it, from a production standpoint, from a media standpoint, he's incredible to deal with. He is just such a gracious uh, person, and you guys have seen the type of numbers that he produces. So he is just such a top-notch person, obviously an incredible piece of this offense, and you just really hope that all of this gets resolved and that you know this this team is able to you know move into the regular season with all the drama behind them any prediction on what happens none i don't i don't i i have learned a long time ago not to make any predictions because especially like this time of year there are too many factors and too many unpredictables i mean my first season here was 2019 when andrew luck retired so i you know couldn't I, predict that one right no. so i i don't i no longer make predictions i'd been in the market for a long time working for some of the local affiliates fox 59 cbs4 and then started here with the colts in july of 2019 so it has been a ride and i think that there is a ton of optimism and excitement was actually just yesterday talking to a number of the guys just about how much energy that Shane Steichen has brought into the building across the board and how much this really young group is, is feeding off of the tone that Shane has set because he's very clear on the expectation, the standard that not only he upholds his players to, but that he upholds himself and his staff to. 
Uh, I just want to finish with this. Any predictions on the secondary? Looks like the cornerback wow. room, the cornerback room wow. in particular, yeah. is wide open. And you mentioned the two rookies, and it's not Julius Brents anymore. He's going by Juju. Juju. It okay. is Juju Brents. Yes. Juju so. Brents, Darius Rush. Yep. Haven't seen a ton of time yet, but both guys. Even though Rush was a fifth rounder, I think expectations high for both players. Oh, huge. Right. And Absolutely. do they see the field early? What are we going to see with the corners in particular? I think he's, these guys got to get healthy. I think the one thing for me is. Uh, are they out there when the Chicago Bears come in for the joint practices? That's going to be a really clear indication of how of what's going to be feasible, what's going to be realistic come regular season. I think that there is a heavy responsibility right now on the shoulders of Kenny Moore II. He's really the most veteran Colt that you have in that secondary. He learned a lot from the leadership of Stephon Gilmore last year, and I think that's going to be a great benefit to Kenny. And I think he is going to have to take, he's going to have to shoulder a lot of responsibility. Um, encouraged, though, by guys like Dallas Flowers, the significant amount of playing time he saw last year. That guy was a monster in special teams as well. Tony Brown is a veteran guy who you have to work with. With, but obviously you're putting a ton of emphasis on those rookies. Darius, Darius Rush, in the time we saw him in OTAs and minicamp, I, I mean, he looks you, you, kind of one of those guys where you talk about like the athleticism and all of that. Like you look at Darius Rush and you're like, that is a scary guy to be throwing the ball in the vicinity of, right? Super athletic, super quick, long, rangy, all of those things. And seems to both Juju and Darius fit really well with Gus Bradley and what he wants to do. I think part of the reason that you saw some revamping of the secondary from a personnel standpoint is because you needed to get those type of athletes that fit the scheme that Gus Bradley has implemented within this Colts defense, they're really going to benefit by a second year under Gus in that system. Coach Milas, of course, the secondary coach in there as well. But I do think that in, you know, gosh, two weeks, we're two weeks away from joint practices. That's where you're eyeballing those guys, Darius and Judo, to come in and see what they're able to do against a number one offense. Yeah, I'll keep, be keeping an eye on that secondary throughout the preseason. Got anything else, Sam? No, I think we're good. We're gonna we go have back no uh, no more Evan Hall questions. I know. I, I just needed to make sure that he wasn't, you know, complacency getting to his head no, already. I know that's a guy who I would never say complacency ever enters his vocabulary. Yeah. All right, Lara Overton, the host, producer, and reporter, amongst many other things for the Colts. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me. All right, we're thrilled to be joined by Quiddy Pay, defensive end here for the Colts. Quiddy, how you doing, man? Doing great. Can't complain. How's camp going so far? Camp, camp's been fun so far. You yeah. Know? Being, being able to come back out here with the guys and uh, compete every single day. How's it different with uh, Shane Steichen in here as a head coach? I think uh, you know just the mentality part of the game. You know, we're just trying to come out here every single day. He preaches compete, compete, compete. So, you know, we're teammates, but at the same time, we're trying to get each other better. So, every single day, it's, it's a fight. Second year with uh, Gus Bradley as defensive coordinator. How's that different for you? You're heading into year three, but second system, second year with Gus Bradley. Yeah, it's, it's good to have the same system, you know, um, being able to get another year, you know, just um, piggyback on what we did last year, you know, make improvements, get more comfortable in the defense, and, you know, just play a lot faster. Are you, uh, are you now transitioning into being one of, like, the old guys? You know, year three for you, yeah. third go-around, all these young guys. Have you gone full old hand at this point? I think for me, I'm, I would say in our room, I'm towards like the older side because we have a, a extremely young room, but um, you know, yeah, it's trying to transition into like a vet. One of the things that jumped out just from watching you guys over there is the number of different body types on that defensive line. Mm -hmm. You've got, you know, really tall, long guys like DeForest, you've got some shorter, stouter guys. How does that help or hinder? Like, what is that like for just that 
different variety of, of defensive body types. I think it's really good for us, uh, especially how we rotate. Um, we put a new guy in there, O-line hasn't seen him on film, uh, different body type, different style of play, and then now he has to you know, transition and try to you know, um, try to block him. So for us, it's, it's a good switch up uh, for the other D, D linemen coming in. Right. We've talked a lot about the uh, number of athletes, incredible athletes that the Colts have drafted over the last couple of years. Do you feel that on the field? And do you feel that a little bit from the rookie class? I know there's been some injuries, but do you feel the athleticism of this oh, yeah. team? Oh yeah, for sure. Everyone's fast, everyone's explosive, you know, quick twitch, good change of uh, direction. And you can just see it on film, guys are flying around just trying to hawk that ball down. Do you, uh, can you still roll? What was your best three cone a couple years ago? You had that ridiculous time. <laughs> that was like a 6'3", That's not real, though, right? That's Swear. not real. It was real. 6'3"? It was real. This film, man, this film on it. <laughs> All right, because you didn't run at the combine. You just said, I'm going to sit on the urban legend oh, of 6'3". No. So during the pro day, around the 30-yard line, I actually pulled my quad. Oh, I okay. still run a 4.52. So I was really trying to run a 4.4, but things happen. Yeah, understood. We were all trying to run 4-4s, four you know? Yeah, yeah, everyone, we all gave that a shot. Um, <laughs> what's it like playing defense opposite a guy like Anthony Richardson? Like, he, elite athlete of the elite athletes, and now you guys are going to go out there every day and practice and, you know, neutralize him. What's that like? Mm, so, you know, for guys going into the game, it's just, it's just so much harder to game plan against a guy like that. So, you know, to play up against him every single day is preparing us for, you know, what the NFL is kind of turning into, a lot of quarterbacks being able to extend plays and, um, you know, just uh, be on their feet and just make hella plays. So for us to see every single day is, is great for us. Do you guys pay attention to, like, what the, the sort of the national narrative is for teams and for how good you're supposed to be and all those kinds of things? Because I think right now the, the national narrative is this is Jacksonville's division to, win, to lose. Everyone else is playing for second place. How do you guys see this division? I think for us, I think it's up for grabs. Um, there's nobody I feel like that's solidified. Um, and I feel like we're, we're going to come out this year and uh, show the people what we got. The, uh, the offensive line had a bunch of injuries last year and everything. Just watching team period over here, they look healthy. Yeah. And uh, what's it like going up against this offensive line? Are they underrated going into this season? I think definitely underrated. Uh, playing up against our old line is definitely great for us because I feel like personally they're one of the best in the league. Um, last year, you know, we dealt with some stuff, but, um, you know, we, we got some great guys, you know, Q, Braden, R. Kelly, you know, Bernie, uh, Fry. So for us, it's great for the D line because we get to compete against great talent every single day. Heading into year three for you, what do you? Anything in particular that you're working on? What are you looking for for this season for think, you personally? I think for me, just finishing the season strong, uh, staying in the whole season, uh, trying to prevent as much injuries as I can, and just keep fighting. How good do you think this offense can be with Anthony Richardson right away? Because I think everyone's looking at this and thinking, you know, this year is just get their feet wet, get him used to the NFL. Next year is when they're going to be really good. You think they can succeed right away? I think so. You know, he's been doing his thing in, in camp. He's been balling out, so uh, it'll, it'll be fun to see for sure. Okay, so there's a lot. There's a lot of hype about Anthony Richardson, right? I mean, obviously, he goes number four overall, but the questions about accuracy and just you know completion percentage and general things like that. What have you seen though from him as far as him throwing the ball? Obviously, he's not running a ton, right, during practice, yeah. or maybe he is. You can't give all that away. But uh, <laughs> what's he like throwing the ball right now? I think he's pretty, he's pretty accurate. Um, he's just doing his thing, improving every single day. You know, um, rookie quarterbacks, they're going to come in and get a feel of things. And I feel like Shane's been doing a great job of 
easing them into it and uh, making sure he's, he's ready for the, for the start of the season. So you guys at the Colts, you've been drafting this, these incredible athletes for years now. This whole practice field is full of like absolute unique freak athletes. From your perspective, what is the single most ridiculous freaky thing you have seen somebody do athletically from this team? I think probably our three tech, uh, Adetomiwa, when he ran that 4 4, that was crazy at 280 pounds. Right. That's, and it's perfect for our defense because we're just flying off the ball. So, you know, once he gets comfortable flying off the ball at that 4 4 speed, is going to wreak havoc for sure. Is he mostly playing three? Is he going to move around for you guys? Because he did that at Northwestern. Uh, I think probably just like interior, like three. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk football for a minute like real football because I love watching you take on pullers mm -hmm. you had that play against Penn State you remember the play against Penn State you absolutely wrecked some tight tight end coming in motion backside puller, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you absolutely wrecked him uh -huh. and I was going through the NFL tape and you're doing that here too talk about taking on wrong arm in the puller let's talk yeah. about some some football stuff here yeah I, I think for me like I think it just really stems from college, like how we were taught in that Big Ten when you see a puller coming, you know, you lower your shoulder and you really explode through him and try to run through his chest. So for me, most guys when they're pulling, they don't really expect me to like run through their chest. So yeah. when they're coming, I just load up and just, I feel like uh, <laughs> last season, first game of the season, uh, we were playing the Texans and the guard pulled and he wasn't expecting me to really like lay him out. I just wrecked him. Yeah, because a lot of, a lot of players coming to the NFL don't have that level of physicality like you're saying. I've seen, you know, you've had that in your first two yeah. years carrying it over. It's been great. Well, most yeah. defensive linemen, yeah, most defensive linemen when they're taking on that puller, it's more like let's just set the edge, let's contain. You're actually going, no, I'm going to yeah. win this contact exactly. and drive this guy backwards. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to crush it. All right, let's finish with this. AFC South prediction. You said, hey, you know, we, we said maybe people are expecting it to be Jacksonville. Do you want to go on record and make this uh, official? Is it going to be the Colts division this year? Um, uh, you know, we'll we'll see, man. We got a <laughs> we got Jacksonville week one, and they're supposed to be the guys, so you know, have this um, division. So we'll see right away. Yeah, we'll awesome. see right away. Quiddy, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate yes, it. Good luck this year. Appreciate thanks you so guys. much, sir.